0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Large retail and e-commerce companies have made it easy for consumers to buy just about anything and everything online. But there's a new company in Chicago that is helping small businesses compete with the big guys so they can offer the same flexibility and speed of receiving their purchases. Lala La Move is an app based same day courier service that helps with delivery for small businesses. The goal at Lala La Move is simple help local Chicago small businesses by providing affordable delivery for their customers. Lala La Move merges the rideshare model with courier services to deliver anything from flowers to furniture and everything in between. Right now, Lala La Move is offering free delivery for one month. Visit lalamove.com. That's L-A-L-A-M-O-V-E dot to learn more. Hey, everyone, how's it going? We're live. Okay, Ben, when we start, we do three, two, one, not one, two, three. Okay, start us off. Start us off. Three, two, one. Yeah, there we go. Uh,
2: that's like inside humor, ladies and gentlemen. The Constantine Anthony interview. You'll hear it in a little while.
1: Uh, but <laughs> Dennis got me pretty good in that interview. That's all I'm going to say. Well, we're going to get going with our Wednesday Ben Jorofsky show, but first we want to remind you about the interviews that we had earlier. How about yes. yesterday's interview with the one and only Sam Holloway? Ben, tell him about you it. You know, I I, I got to tell you, uh,
2: I love Sam Holloway, my neighbor, uh, firefighter. And yes, uh, part of it is because he came out and supported the reader uh, when we were in our labor negotiations. But he just speaks from his heart. And yesterday's interview, we started talking about, like, why is it? I know I'm going to go on in this later, too, but why is it that the vaccine isn't just readily available right now across the board? And you gotta kind of have a critique of capitalism. I know that makes people really uncomfortable when you critique capitalism, because we're all supposed to be capitalists. And immediately Democrats go on the uh, defensive when the Republicans go, you're socialists, you're commies, Venezuela. But there are some limitations to capitalism. I mean, the drug companies are in it to make money. They're not in it to protect teachers and firefighters and cops and waitresses and grocery store clerks and old people in their addicts, you know? So Sam Holloway, Sam Holloway, our our resident socialist. I don't know what he is, but uh, uh, other than a good friend of the show, I thought that was a great uh, conversation yesterday, Sam Holloway.
1: And he drops a wicked F-bomb. If you haven't heard it, go check it out, all right? It's available at the Chicago Reader website, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download podcast. And we recorded an interview yesterday, and we're going to drop it tonight, this evening. I'm thinking about 7 o'clock, maybe attach Monroe in today's show, the first hour, just put him together and post uh, this feller at 7 o'clock. This dude's name is one of the coolest first names uh, on the planet, Constantine. Yeah, Constantine
2: Anthony. Uh, he is an Uber and Lyft driver who lives in California and was part of the efforts to organize Uber and Lyft drivers uh, into a union. They took a big setback when the uh, – The good good citizens of California decided to vote for a proposition that undercut their efforts. Uh, But he talks about uh, what it's like to try to organize Uber and Lyft drivers and uh, gig economy employees and what you're up against, kind of the propaganda that the other side puts out. And it's not unlike uh, what uh, the uh, anti fair tax folks did here in Illinois with Phyllis, the famous Phyllis commercial, uh, which um, we've had quite a we've had quite a run with uh, the Phyllis commercial, I must admit. Uh, so uh, anyway, Constantine Anthony is his name, and uh, the guy was good. I think he's going to be a regular on the Ben Jarovsky show. Uh, he kind of gets the spirit of the show, and um, and by the way, he's a councilman. In uh, or an alderman in Burbank, so he used the uh, organizing uh, as sort of the uh, what the energy to get him elected to uh, the city council. So good for him, Constantine Anthony. And he has a cool name, right? De- Constantine Anthony, it's like up there with Damien.
1: Damien's a badass name, and Constantine, that's a that's right up there with that. You know what I mean? Damien's
2: a great name. Why did I feel compelled to call it only Damien? I, I was that was in my life, Dr.
1: Dog. I need help. That's a cry for help, D. So that's available. Also, um, yeah, well, that's it. Go check them out. It's at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast oh uh that's what i wanted to mention ben you said uh we keep that phyllis bit we keep you know doing it well dude if you just get rid of your landline the phyllis bit will be gone but
2: uh. <laughs> oh yeah you mean the one that where all of a sudden a phone call comes the landline that doesn't work and i yeah. pay for it yeah. that landline yeah. the landline that every now and then starts ringing and i have no idea where the actual phone is to turn it off that
1: landline
2: yes Yes, <laughs> all
1: You're right, you, boy. You have a song of the day. It comes from Frank. Frank, huge fan of Monroe Anderson, by the way. That's sarcasm. He's, he's I know, I know. He, he's waiting.
2: He, he's compiling all the times that uh, Monroe's been off on his predictions, and it's a lengthy
1: list. I must confess. Uh, go ahead. Your song of the day is "Pinball Wizard" by the Who. Ooh, Pinball Wizard, my wow,
2: uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, those were some noises. That's the drums. Peter Townsend on guitar. I forget the name of the drummer. Oh, Keith Moon. That was the drummer of the Who. Wow. Where did that come from? I just remembered Keith Moon's name, Dave. Whoa.
1: <laughs> Where did that come from? The Jarofsky show starts now. <laughs> Wednesday, January 27th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is the Ben Show. Today on the program, Frank's favorite, Monroe Anderson. And now your host... Also, Frank's favorite, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky.
2: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Law and Honor Wednesday, and here's why. Tulsi Gabbard reemerged the other day. Uh, Maybe it was yesterday. Kind of lost track of the time. But you remember Tulsi, former congresswoman from Hawaii, a Democrat. But the kind of Democrat that MAGA loves. Not sure why. Maybe it's because they've seen her frequent appearances on the Joe Rogan show. She ran for president uh, as a Democrat, and she was on the stage for a couple of the debates last summer, summer of 2019, before the pandemic hit. Uh, Her appearance on those debates brought criticisms, well warranted, I would say, from two Ben Jarowski show regulars, Romana Hussein and Samina Mustafa. By the way, Samina will be making a return engagement, I'm really happy to say. uh, Samina will be back on the show in a couple of days, Uh, but I didn't mean to go on that tangent. Anyway. Uh, Samina and Ramana pointed out that Tulsi Gabbard had some negative and hostile attitude towards Muslims, which, uh, when I think about it, may explain why MAGA loves her so much. Just saying. Anyway, Tulsi issued a series of statements via Twitter uh, that kind of, well, it struck me in two different ways. I'll just read the quotes. The mob who stormed the Capitol to try to stop Congress from carrying out its constitutional responsibilities were behaving like domestic enemies of our country. But... Uh-oh. Always get a little nervous when you get that but. But. Huh. Uh, but uh, oh Okay, you say something definitive like... Worded. Very yes. weird. <laughs> there... What's behind the but? And, uh, but... Let us be clear. The John Brennans, Adam Schiffs, and the oligarchs and Big Tech who are trying to undermine our constitutionally protected rights and turn our country into a police state with KGB-style surveillance are also domestic enemies and much more powerful and therefore dangerous than the mob who stormed the Capitol. Wow. <laughs> All right, look, I believe in civil liberties as much as the next guy. And yes, I believe in First Amendment rights. I believe, for instance, that John Catanzara, president of the Fraternal Order of Police right here in the city of Chicago, has the First Amendment protected right to wear a Trump shirt or carry a Trump sign. Yes, I believe that. But I also believe that officers in a union have a right uh, not to be kicked out of John Catanzara's union uh, if they choose to take a knee in solidarity with Black Lives Matter protesters. So, you know, it's a complicated thing this notion of First Amendment protected rights, this notion of free expression. It's usually one of those things where liberty for me, not for thee. But calling Adam Schiff more dangerous than the thugs who stormed the Capitol? The guys who hit the cop over the head with a hockey stick? Or bashed the other cop in the head with a fire extinguisher? Or called for the execution of Pence Pelosi? They're more dangerous than those guys. Here's the thing, it's hard to have a legitimate debate about free speech in this country because, as I said, people generally only believe in free speech for themselves. And you can't have a free speech debate when MAGA turns free speech into a weapon to be used against Democrats. And so, like, where was Tulsi Gabbard to defend the free speech of Black Lives Matters protesters who marched in St. Louis, remember that? That was this summer. Or early this summer, Mark and Patricia McCloskey became heroes to MAGA. They're the homeowners who hopped out of their house waving rifleries. One wearing a rifle, the other waved a handgun, as a few hundred protesters marched past their house on the way to the home of the mayor of St. Louis, who lived just down the way. The McCluskeys said they were standing their ground, protecting themselves from the mob, but it wasn't a mob. It was a parade of peaceful protesters. And they weren't on their property. They were walking on public land, and they had nothing. They didn't care about the McCluskeys. They were just walking past her house. They didn't care about them. But the Republicans treated the McCluskeys like heroes, invited them to their convention, put them in the spotlight. It was part of a larger campaign to treat all Black Lives Matter protesters as violent insurrection insurrectionists. It was part of a larger campaign to scare white people into voting for Donald Trump. And now we really do have violent insurrectionists. They're the ones who stormed the Capitol. Only now MAGA and MAGA supporters don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about somebody else. They want to change the subject. Nobody ever wants to talk about the examples that make them look bad. I know things get complicated. I know it's not all black or white. It's gray as they say. But to quote Joe Biden, come on, man. You either believe in civil liberties or you're just using it as a tool in your larger political fight. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson. Say what you will about him, Frank. He does believe in civil liberties. He's always engaging Republicans uh, in fights on Facebook. Usually gets the better part of them. Got a lot to talk about with uh, Monroe, a lot of political talk. But before we do that, the young man from Alton who believes and First Amendment free expression. The young man from Alton, who both Tulsi Gabbard and Ramana Hussein call the doctor with the news.
1: Hey, hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and Illinois this afternoon, huh? Ben, what do you say about that, huh? <laughs> hey, hey, yes. <laughs> what's so funny? Uh, I was expecting to go, uh, it says, nobody calls me the doctor. We can't do it every day. We've been doing this for what three, four years.
2: Um. Oh my God, we're about to have our second year anniversary.
1: You know that is true, guys. Our our two year anniversary is coming up, February twenty seventh. Uh, and oh, I I meant to ask uh, Sam Holloway yesterday to give us a little uh, anniversary shout out. Uh, maybe I'll do that with Monroe today. How about that? How's that sound? Dad's thinking. We
2: we may have to book Sam again anyway uh, for the um. Before the uh, anniversary But uh, yes, Dennis has a surprise for the anniversary And since it's a surprise I don't know what it is Because it's a surprise even to me
1: But I think
2: it involves
1: A bouquet of roses okay, that he's I'm not getting you already. flowers <laughs> It's going to be Saturday, February 27th Our two year uh, Ben Jarofsky Show podcast Anniversary, we're going to have a special We'll make it available for download on Saturday uh, Tune in to check out what it is And Ben, hey Happy happy anniversary. (laughs) Thanks,
2: man. I was hoping for a piece of cake. You know, the other day, D, I was walking down the street. I have these moments where I'm walking down the street, you know, and just thinking about this or that or anything. And then something about the show will pop into my head and I will literally start laughing out loud. And then as I was walking down the street and I just started thinking about that public service announcement that the mayors did, uh, uh-huh. around Thanksgiving, time, <laughs> which was so hokey. And by the way, it's completely contradictory right now as the mayor get back in old schools. Uh, anyway, um, that was the one where was the mayor from Highland Park said, and you can have frozen cake. And she, <laughs> anyway, I just started thinking about the frozen cake and started laughing. Nancy
1: Rotering, uh, this would be the time I would play that audio, but I've got a new laptop in that time, and uh, unfortunately it didn't make it in the transition, so I don't have that clip anymore, but I do have this one.
0: This is the right thing to do, even though it's a hard thing to do. Of course, I'll give your love to to Amy and Viv and Hank. All right. Love you, Mom. We'll talk on Thanksgiving.
2: Bye-bye. Get ready for the sigh. (laughs) Oh, man. Can we get an Oscar out to that Mayor Lori Leifer for that sigh? (laughs) Just remember that bit, folks, as we get into the news about Chicago (laughs) teachers. Get back in that class. (laughs) Just remember that you couldn't have Thanksgiving with Grandma. But get in that classroom and get there now.
1: Okay. look Look for Lori Lightfoot on that Dawson's Creek reboot. Okay. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin in Chicago and our coverage of the Chicago teachers union continues. Remember the mayor and her Chicago public schools team still want the teachers to return to the classroom. And the Chicago teachers union still think it's a bad idea. You know, with the, pandemic and all now to today's news and the following comes from chuckbeat.org and yana kunichov and mila kumpilova ah, i put your dad one <laughs> i really tried all right uh oh, gotta stop smoking man there with that award there with that award I actually don't smoke, ladies It's Just a joke. With hopes (laughs) dashed for a late-night deal, Chicago teachers will defy district orders to report to campuses Wednesday, forcing the school district to suspend in-person learning for 3,200 pre-kindergarten and special education students. The move throws Chicago's efforts to reopen schools to more students into disarray. If the district responds with a disciplinary disciplinary action against teachers, it would trigger a strike in the nation's third largest school district, canceling school for 340,000 students. Chicago Public Schools said the district, quote, had no choice but to ask all students to return to remote learning beginning Wednesday. Officials said that earlier in the day, they proposed a new round of health and safety measures, including doubling testing frequency for school-based staff to twice a month, offering surveillance testing for in-school students, prioritizing vaccinations for in-person teaching staff in neighborhoods with the highest COVID-19 rates and suspending in-person learning should the positivity rate of school-based tests reach 3%. But it was not enough to reach a deal. Major gaps remain on vaccination timelines, the amount of surveillance testing of school staff, and which, educator, uh, which educators should get accommodations for health and family reason. And then to the latest update from the Chicago Sun-Times and Stefano Esposito. The headline reads, parents urge Mayor CPS to delay reopening plan. With a possible teacher strike looming, a group of Chicago Public Schools parents on Wednesday urged the district and Mayor Lori Lightfoot to abandon the controversial reopening plan and stick to remote learning. Here's the quote from Bridget White, one of about a dozen CPS parents who spoke during a virtual news conference Bridget White said, quote, we want them to listen to the parents. The majority of CPS parents are not comfortable with sending their children back in person. They don't trust the plan for keeping their children safe. And then, Ben, an excellent point here. Uh, (laughs) the, uh, The quote continued, even the Board of Education meeting that is going to be held later today is going to be virtual. So why can't our children continue to do such? Wow. Man. Yeah,
2: that's a very good point. Even, it reminds me of D this summer. God, it seems like time is just flying. No, maybe there was the fall uh, where Amy Coney Barrett, uh, who was uh, Donald Trump's nominee to the Supreme Court, this just popped into my brain, uh, had that confirmation party in the Rose Garden. She hadn't been confirmed. She'd been nominated. Remember that one, D? Nobody was wearing masks. You know, it's like, ah, let's just pretend that the pandemic doesn't exist. Some the, That was the obsession of Donald Trump and the White House. And so they had this uh, party in the Rose Garden, and Chris Christie was there. And I forget who else was there. All the big shots in the uh, Republican Party were there. Uh, that The president of Notre Dame was there. And it turned out to be a super spreader event. And a bunch of the people uh, at that party uh, got covid and a few of them apologized, the president of uh, Notre Dame apologized uh, for uh, uh, showing up without a mask, even though he was urging students at Notre Dame to wear the mask. Uh, and then it came out that uh, the Supreme Court, this is to the point you just raised, Dee, the Supreme Court of the United States uh, has going bending over backwards to protect uh, its justices. You know, no more in-person hearings. It's all virtual hearings. Same thing with the court that Amy Coney Barrett was on uh, before she was elevated to the Supremes. They're all protecting the judges. and But it's just like when they had the party, oh, let's forget the pandemic. When they're on the bench, let's have the pandemic. It's just the kind of insanity that we've been seeing from the get-go. And... um So here we are in the city of Chicago and you have one group of parents saying, I want my kids to go back. Uh, They're driving me crazy at home uh, or they need to be in in school with their teachers. And then you have another group of parents uh, who are saying we support the teachers. We're worried about our own safety. Uh, It's a freaking mess. And D, the obvious solution is to get the vaccine out to as many people as you can. And yet, that solution seems to have eluded the powers that be, not just in the city of Chicago, but the state of Illinois. And this is what Sam Holloway and I were discussing yesterday. It's like, do we take this pandemic seriously? Do we think that this is a, a, a crisis that's under cutting our country? that is uh, ruining our economy, that is forcing children, what, exacerbating the social uh, inequities between rich and poor kids? Do we recognize it as a serious problem? If we do, they get the vaccine out. But we are so far from having the vaccine uh, from not just teachers, not just Cops and firefighters and bus drivers, et cetera. But everybody, Very bizarre situation we have in this country where we say, oh, this is a problem. Uh, and, uh, and then we just don't seem that willing to come up with a solution. Now, Monroe will be on the show a little while. We talked briefly about it today. He's going to blame the Republicans. I think there's plenty of blame across the board from a lot of people. Starting just with the notion that somehow or other, this gets back to the conversation with Sam, that somehow or other, the way to deal with this is for-profit drug companies who are in business to make money or could be in charge of the distribution of the vaccine that absolutely everyone needs. Very strange way to go about business in the United States of America. Uh, anyway, to that point, Lloyd Lightfoot issued a statement the other day You may find it in my beloved bright one, home delivered as always. Uh, Here we go. Here's what uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot said Teachers, of course, we want you to be safe. Of course, we take your health and safety incredibly seriously. And we've built a plan to make sure that you can get the vaccine. But we need you to work with us. We need you to talk to your leadership because we can't get there until we get there together. Well, first of all, all due respect to Lori Lightfoot, most teachers don't think you care about them that much. Most teachers don't think you want them to be safe. And most teachers don't think you take their health and safety incredibly serious. And I don't blame them for feeling that way. D. before I went on the show, I got a text from a kid I used to coach. And she's now a public school teacher in Chicago, coached a lot of kids. And a lot of them uh, are have become public school teachers. And this kid was a hell of a softball player, I want to say, by the way. She could smack the hell out of the ball. It's neither here nor there. And she sent me pictures uh, from her school of like dead mouse. <laughs> you know, roaches. and just filth. And it's like, they have these press conferences, D. You get the mayor out there and all her health commissioner and all the doctors that work for her and all the people at the board of education, and they swear up and down we spent hundred million dollars. That came out of nowhere. It's like a hundred million. Where'd you get a hundred million dollars? I kind of I haven't really addressed this one, D. You know, I was like just. The Sun-Times to the Tribune. Let me write the stories. The Board of Education, the Chicago Public Schools, spent $100 million. Where'd they get $100 million? I thought they were broke. <laughs> Should have seemed a little lucky. <laughs> <you're kidding me. laughs> $100 million. They just found $100 million. They got $100 million to clean up the schools. The schools are so clean, you can eat lunch off the floor. And I'm getting these pictures of dead mice. You know, it's like you say something, and what you just like think teachers are idiots. You, you, you know, it's or, or anybody who works a. Well, Lori Lightfoot said it, and 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 this is the thing. Most Chicagoans, I hate to say this, Chicago, but this is you kind of just like believe whatever your mayor tells you. Well, Lori Lightfoot said it, Ben. Look, the mayor said it. It was that way for Rob. They were like, well, Ben, you're awfully hard on Rob, but I, I heard on WBEZ today, Rob said it. You know, he said it, so it, it must be true. Well, just because, you know, I read it in the Tribune. It's like Chicagoans, they, they tend to believe whatever their mayor says. So now this mayor is saying, oh, we want you to be safe, and the teachers walk in a classroom, you see a dead mouse. Like, it kind of contradicts everything that the mayor just said. And then they'll say, well, it was just one dead mouse, (laughs) you know? And then they get into this thing, like, how many dead mice did you actually find? Uh, Most schools, we did a study, 10 schools out of 12 did not have dead mice in them. Little bizarre side debates that you get with the Board of Education when you take the deep dive. Now there's the whole issue of, like, how many people have COVID? How many school employees have COVID since they opened the schools? I've never seen anything They're just like the union or teachers, I should say. They're sending around, I've seen it. They send around like these sheets with the number of uh, what they report are COVID uh, cases for various schools, which does not correspond with what the official word is from CPS. or official word from CPS is yes, there's some COVID cases, and then they quickly dismiss them. Well, you know, it's. It, it's not, they didn't get it in the school. They brought it to the school. Like, Well, first of all, who cares where they got it? I mean, what? suddenly the COVID case doesn't matter. I, this is what I'm saying. It's hard to take them seriously. So they count a case of COVID and they go, well, that doesn't really matter because the person who got the COVID got it at home or he got it at the grocery store or he got it walking down the street. The guy sneezed on, my, I don't, but he has it. That's the whole point. So it's just like if you dismiss suddenly, it's like you have health professionals dismissing COVID. This is Dennis's point: a mixed message. <laughs> Damn. So, I, I I really find it hard to buy the argument that the powers that be in the city care so much about teachers. And I got to tell you, I admit, I have a bias in this. I've been covering this stuff for a long, long time. And I've been listening to the things that public education officials in this town say. And they never, they almost never jive with what's going on. It's all like a PR stunt. And I could do this in the case of, Closing of schools. I could do this in a case of whether you know crime is rising in a school, or whether uh, you need to uh, hire more teachers in a classroom. You know, it's always or whether the public. Here's my favorite: whether the public supports closing schools. I remember, remember that one. The board of ed said, "Oh, these parents support it," and turns out that these parents were paid protesters. It's just like these incidents of the politicization of the public schools of Chicago accumulate over time. And it gets you very suspicious that the people that run the public schools really do, as Lori Lightfoot said, care so much about the people who work there. Very strange. And then you have people weighing in from the outside, like some doctors who live in Washington or who live in Boston or wherever. And they go, well, you know, statistically, it shows that uh, schools are not super spreader sites. And so uh, we believe in general that schools should be reopened. Yeah, but we don't live in general. We live in Chicago. You ever see how Chicago runs its public school system? How about this story in the Tribune today? Teachers are signing up to get the vaccine. It turns out they're not even eligible. The, the ID number they gave them to be eligible for the vaccine was inaccurate. So now they're not. They thought they were on a list to get the vaccine. Now they're not. You know, you figure they would have figured out. The powers of being in the city would have figured out how many vaccines do they need to open up the schools for all the employees? Are you willing to wait to have the vaccines in hand to open the schools or, or do you have to open them now? And what's the impact if you just open them now? I get the feeling, right? It's like, it's all about a muscle flexing thing. We're gonna show those teachers, put them back in that classroom. So yeah, I find it kind of dispiriting. It's like the same themes that have been alive in this public school system for as long as I remember, where you get like one set of reality, in quotes, from the press people at City Hall and at the Board of Education headquarters, CPS headquarters, and then you get these other reports from people who are actually in the schools. So I don't blame the teachers for being uh, very nervous about going back to the classroom in the middle of a pandemic.
1: I want to give a shout out to Jim on the live stream chat. Uh, He let me know that uh, Stacey Davis Gates spoke with WGN this morning, or maybe it was last night. I'm not sure when the hell it was, but WGN talked with Stacey Davis Gates. I have the audio here. Um, I haven't really listened to it, so we'll just play it and see how it goes. And uh, we'll stop it if uh, it's not that great. So here we go. Stacey Davis Gates on WGN. You know, but I'll tell everyone else the CPS plan is for uh, students to return from kindergarten through eighth grade to the classroom on Monday. So that means all teachers are expected tomorrow on Wednesday. And
3: from everything I read, you're not going to show up.
0: Well, we want a safe reopening. I think the first thing your listeners need to understand is um, two things. One, our members have been working um, to make the impossible possible since last March. And two, our teachers want to reopen schools and they want to do so re- safely. Um, well, as you what know, would that
1: as mean, But, Stacey, what would that mean to be safely? Because, I mean, it seems like a I lot can, of. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I, Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, Illinois just started Group 1B, which means educators can be vaccinated. Um, We've seen Maine South. We've seen Evanston. We've seen... you know, Skokie, um, all of the Montessori schools in the city, other private schools in the city have been able to provide vaccinations to their teachers. Um, We've asked the Chicago public schools because they are under the direction of the mayor, just like the public health um, department is under her, that we could you know, potentially phase in um, school um, connected to vaccination of teachers and provide the maximum amount of safety. So Part you're two. okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm -mm, It's fine. Part two is that we have um, we have members right now making other arrangements and meaning they're moving out of their homes. Um, They have um, partners and children and parents that they care for who have comorbidities and they have not been granted accommodations. In fact, eighty-five percent of household accommodations have been denied. We've been told by Chicago Public Schools that if they grant the accommodations, that they will not be able to reopen with staff for in-person school on February 1st. So
1: Stacey, it would be, I, mm-hmm. I want to get a lot of questions. So uh, you would, all right, that's enough. No, I,
2: I, <laughs> I, I don't know who that interviewer was, but uh, obviously he's never interviewed Stacey Davis Gates a lot. You know, Stacey Davis Gates going to say something. Let her talk. Okay. But he, he was going, okay, Stacey. Okay. Bottom line. What is it going to take to get CTU uh, uh, to agree to uh, go back to school? And apparently, it's vaccinations. Get the vaccinations. So uh, I would have thought that if that's the case, and apparently, you know, they've been meeting, what, around the clock? Exaggeration. But they're meeting, according to uh, the mayor uh, and the board of ed, uh, on weekends and weekdays. So you would figure, D., they would have known that. And they might have made an effort to have vaccines for their public school employees. But apparently it's like, oh, call this number or register at this site. You get a vaccine in about two weeks, and then they register and it turns out it's the wrong site. But you know, you, you get that tone in that um uh that radio man's voice. I don't know who the guy was, but you get that tone, and that's yeah. that's you know, it's like that there's like that hostility towards this day. You know what I mean? You, uh-huh. you, well, that's kind of, come on, guys. I mean, it's this, this. Come on now, teachers. Come on. Be reasonable, huh? Come on. <laughs> well, where's old boy? Is he in his? He's probably in his attic like I am. Oh, who? Old boy? Know. I don't know his name, man. Do you know who it was? The The interviewer.
1: is probably. Oh, no, I don't know who the interviewer was. Yeah. That may be. For so the whoever best. it is, <laughs>
2: you know, it's like, come on, put together a tank, huh? Come on. <laughs> yeah, they said, that's, a, that's the other thing. It's like Chicagoans, a lot of them have like a. I don't even know if the guy lives in Chicago, but a lot of people in Chicago media are like so. Yeah, they don't like the teachers' union. I don't know what else to put it to. You know, I mean, they them roll their eyes, look up, there they go again. And you know, if you're like openly uh, pro teachers' union, you know, like moi, there you go. Every strike, it's like, oh no. Every showdown, oh no. Ben, your little Stacey Davis Gates, your little friend, oh my God. See what she did now? Come on, guys. You know it's just all political. Uh, well, I don't know. Like, if Stacey Davis Gates and Jesse Sharkey just said, hey, we want to we, we, just go back to school, you don't think they would have, like, hundreds of their members a little upset and a little concerned? You know? And then the attitude of the mayors when it comes to the teachers' union – Rahm expressed it, like, hey, just give them a fall in line. That's, I, they, they think that members of the, the teachers are going to fall in line with the union the way what? Uh, a board of education appointee falls in line with the mayor? By the way, you haven't heard one word from the board of education. School board. You, you know what I'm saying, D? It's like they're absent in this. This is a political fight between the union and the mayor and the mayor's CEO, uh, Janice Jackson. But yeah, but no, the, the media's like, come on. God, come on. what's it going to take, huh? <laughs> what's it going to take to get you back? I don't know. What's it going to take to
3: get you back? <laughs>
2: No one cares about me. But D, I've been hearing it. It's like that. There's that hostility. You know it, D. You know it as well as I do. There's that hostility toward the teachers' union. (laughs) Yeah. For some reason. People, you you take an individual teacher, and people be like, yeah, she's pretty cool, or I like her. Or, but you take a group of them and put them in a union. <laughs> really upsets people in Chicago.
1: Once again, shout out to WGN Radio for that audio. Also, WGN. My resume's in that pile somewhere. Come on,
0: that <laughs> is correct.
2: Let me just say a few good things about WGN that may help them. a great uh, interview, and uh, he's a great guy. Okay, just hire a guy. Way, Come on, <laughs> Bez. Hey, notice that we've been more professional. I've stopped singing. Oh wait, I have. I it stop singing. anything, anything to get them to take that resume from the bottom and put it on the top.
1: I'm doing my best. D. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and that concludes today's CTU coverage. Wait, CTU oh. president, Jesse Sharkey, anything you'd like to say? And we view that this is a civil rights issue. Okay. You cool. know, we think that uh-huh. the conditions in our schools, we think that support for our students that need, Trauma support, social workers, psychologists, oh, I heard that. counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, wait. <laughs> we think that adequate services for special education. All right, we're moving on. <laughs>
2: By the way, uh, breaking news, I think they picked up the mouse that was on the floor uh, I'm not going to name her name, My, that great softball player uh, of mine, who's now a teacher. The mouse is gone. Oh, well. It's... Oh, mouse update. Yeah, mouse update. And by the way, I'm not, now I'm going to do devil's advocate. I'm going to pretend like, you know, I'm a, a, a radio broadcaster WB. Yes, it's true. Mice are bad, but they don't necessarily relate to the pandemic. You have to admit that a dead mouse on the floor, well, maybe obnoxious to look at, does not necessarily mean that the teacher isn't protected from the COVID-19.
1: Back to you, Dennis. Oh, yeah. And this just in, we <laughs> threw away Dennis's resume. <laughs> <laughs> uh on one hand there's a dead
2: mouse on the other hand what does that have to do with the covid we'll be talking about that with uh dr Vinnie boom uh, later on on our show
1: all right let's move on here as you may have already been able to tell indoor dining and service are slowly returning to bars and restaurants in chicago but it turns out Restaurant and bar bar owners have seen this a time or two or three. They've been opening, closing, reopening, reclosing all year, and restaurant owners are speaking up this go-around. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Isabella Saraf. The headline reads, Restaurant Owners Critique Return of Limited Indoor Dining. Chicago restaurant and bar owners were allowed to partially reopen for indoor service Saturday for the first time in months, but some are not happy with how the city has managed the on-again, off-again shutdowns. Members of the Chicago Restaurants Coalition want Mayor Lori Lightfoot's staff to meet with him quickly and discuss how to go over best safety practices to help avoid a future shutdown. They also say they want the mayor's office to loop them in on how restaurants can help improve the city's contact tracing efforts. Chicago and, uh, Chicago and suburban Cook County restaurants and bars that serve food are now allowed to seat customers indoors at either 25% capacity or 25 people per, uh, per room, whichever is less. Roger Romanelli, the coalition's coordinator, said the partial reopening is marginal for restaurants to succeed, but the coalition hopes to Increase indoor dining capacity soon in order to hire back more workers and recover lost sales.
2: Yeah. I don't know, Dave. What do you think? Let's just let's just do away with it. any uh oversight regulations. Let's just open everything up. Um that's let's go. Let's do it. Open the schools, open the restaurants, open the bars. You know, let's pretend we're MAGA country. Let's just do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, everybody gets sick. Oh, well, tough luck. That's how it goes. I mean, it's tough out there. See, anything is, either way, it's just like with the schools. It's so easy for you or me to, to weigh in on this. Like, we don't have a business that's losing money, you know? And they're saying that if 25% capacity is not enough uh, to pay the bills, not enough to make money to pay the bills, uh, doesn't seem as though. Republicans in Congress are going to support any efforts uh, to help subsidize businesses that have been bludgeoned by the shutdown. So just open it up. What the heck? You know, it's like we got these campaigns that have like really nothing to do with the health and safety issue. And then you got the doctors who are like in the middle and trying to appease whatever politician is the boss. So they say, well, well, no, we, um, the same doctor will get up there and go, what we, uh, restaurants going to be 25% open. Oh, but schools are fine. You know, uh,
1: the dead mouse doesn't matter. Stop talking about the dead mouse, Ben. So. Jay Marie uh, literally just said that. She said, I'm trying to eat lunch, dude. Can you stop talking about a dead mouse? <laughs> no more dead mice talk. Sorry, Jay Marie.
2: <laughs> I know the feeling. God, every time I eat this salami sandwich, it looks like a mouse.
1: But these restaurants kind of have a point, though, right? Like, all right, well, we're still a business, and uh, I don't know, maybe uh, we're going to speak up and uh, weigh in uh, this time around on the reopening, right? Yeah. Can you coordinate with us that a little board. bit? Absolutely, they have a point.
2: Uh, and uh, I, listen, I personally am not about to go to a restaurant. But a lot of people, what can I say? They got the, par- they got the parents on the north side of Chicago. You know, Sam and I had a blast talking about them yesterday. Say, you they- Send my kid back, please. Uh, they're not a, they're not worried in the least. You know the parents are worried.'s got some restaurants. they're worried, others aren't just D I'm a libertarian now. <laughs> Open everything up. okay? Open it all up. Meanwhile, I'm just gonna wait it out in my attic.
1: I mean it'd probably be another conversation too if there were like an, uh, an adequate amount of funding uh, given, right?
2: That's the point. That's the point. If, as a society, we're not committed uh, to sheltering our businesses from this blow, then what choice do the businesses have? And at the outset, the very outset of this pandemic, it seemed as though there was an agreement on that. Now, here we are uh, in the reality of what? What is January 26th, 7th, that's the date. And Republicans won't sign on to legislation uh, that would assist businesses, uh, Biden is kind of pulling back. We're not quite sure where he is on his pledge uh, to give two thousand dollars to uh, everybody in this country. You know, all of a sudden Republicans are worried about the budget deficit after having not been paying attention to it for the last few years. What's a restaurant to do? So we're a strange country, D. We uh, pick and choose when we want to uh, guard the public safety, you know. And uh, we have doctors that will pretty much tell you whatever the boss wants to hear. And then when you say, but you're saying something a little differently over here, then they go, well, Ben, it's not black or white, it's gray. So you got Roger Ramonelli and the restaurant people go, let us just open up. Are you gonna go D? You gonna go sit in a restaurant?
1: Are you feeling comfortable about it? Uh, I'm like on the fence. Like, I don't know. I thought it was, I was like, man, I want some red lobster. But then like <laughs> But like <laughs> it was uh, closed. They're like, ah, eh, they're closed. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's a sign. I don't know. I don't know.
2: <laughs> uh, well I think you and I will probably be in line to get the vaccine sometime in July, in the way this thing is going. Well, the most important thing in the world we need to get our country going again. Our country's under siege by uh, this virus. Oh, by the way, we'll get you the vaccine in about five months. We'll get back to you on that. Okay. Just as long as the drug companies are making good money. That's all that matters. New restaurants. Let's see. We can afford to make sure that the drug companies get the most money they can. Right? That's capitalism. But these other guys, the restaurant guys, that. Eh,
1: Stay shut. Uh,
2: Only in America.
1: Uh, And not involved in this meeting, I heard. uh, Tom Tunney. So I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. Tommy T. He's got some tips, right.
2: right? Cinnamon roll speakeasy. If you knock three times and then you say the magic word, Dr. D.
1: Okay, Don't get me involved in that (laughs) shady mess. All right. In other city news, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot does have a public event scheduled today. The The mayor got together with her city council virtually and presided over this morning's city council meeting. No details on what went down quite yet but I'm sure it's only a matter of time until we talk about it. A quick recap of our last city council meeting.
0: If you want to talk about a separate issue, there will be a time and a place for that, but you are out of order, sir.
1: You're out of order, sir. That's what happened. <laughs> you remember that, right, oh, Ben? Oh, young to me. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, yes. <laughs> Byron Ciccio Lopez, you're out of order. Go ahead, D. <laughs> so what happened this time around? Well, we'll find out soon, and we will recap it with an with another episode of everyone's favorite daily political soap opera, the second episode of 2021, A Mayor and Her Alderman. And I say the second episode because our first episode begins now. New year, same intro. It's time for A Mayor and Her Alderman. A Mayor
2: and Her Alderman. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. (sighs)
1: <sighs> the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and and the Wo-Man Spielman. Defying Mayor Lori Lightfoot, a city council committee on Tuesday gave Alderman Anthony Beal bin of what ward? Ninth ward. What a dork! The GOAT gave Alderman <laughs> By Anthony... Way, I still haven't gotten over. It. The shame, the
2: shame of getting that trivia question on Cook County Board oh President. Oh my God, get over I it. Could, I couldn't sleep! All night, what's going on? Is this the first sign of senility? How could I forget that George Dunn was in office more than John Stroger? I would walk,
1: I was walking around the house, going, I failed the trivia test. (laughs) Yeah, for those who missed it, we had a a hot round of Cook County Board President trivia on the Ben Jarovsky show. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ben got the answer wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, D, Go ahead. But yeah, you're a dork. All right. Uh, so uh, Tuesday uh, gave Alderman Anthony Beale the go ahead to turn a, a home on a crime plague block in Roseland into a privately funded mecca. For community policing, in a letter to Beal last week, the mayor had said she quote cannot support and therefore would be quote encouraging members to table this discussion because of concerns about funding, officers officer security, and because the idea runs contrary to the Chicago public department's under or the Chicago Police Department's uh, underlying community policing strategy. But that did not stop the Committee on Public Safety from authorizing the $250,000 crime fighting experiment and congratulating Beal for his creativity. All right. Now, I have Alderman quotes on all of this, and we're going to read them. But first, Ben, help us out here. What's your take on uh, what we just read there?
2: I, I I didn't get what the opposition to this uh, and this, again, shows a bit of the dysfunction uh, between an alderman's uh, Beale's relationship with Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Dee, I read this story. I remember when it first broke, I read the story. I'm like, why is Lori Lightfoot against this so much? You know what I mean? Why couldn't she work with Anthony Beal uh, to make this happen? And it's just like gets back to what we're talking about. Uh, if you get off to the raw on the wrong foot with uh, Lori Lightfoot, it's kind of hard to get on the good foot, uh, to quote a song. And uh, so Anthony Beale was one of those aldermen who opposed uh, Lori Lightfoot's reorganization of the Chicago City Council. Anthony Beale was sort of loyal to Ed Burke. Not quite sure why, but he was. Raylo Raylo, our uh, good friend of the show, was uh, also loyal to Ed Burke, and they got off to a rough start with Lori Lightfoot. And I thought, well, they—I thought that Anthony Beale and Lori Lightfoot had kind of made it up because it seems like Lori Lightfoot really doesn't like lefties, and Anthony Beale is not a lefty, uh, so you can't put him in that category. And so there was like some PR event. D, I don't know if you remember. It was the opening of I was at a Walmart I can't remember But it was, it was some kind of PR uh, Ribbon cutting ceremony Down in the Ninth Ward And we talked about Lori Life came She shook hands With Anthony Beale. Oh no, they, they, they pan- tapped elbows Oh they bumped elbows You're right I corrected to bump Oh yes Because they're following Social protocol in the, the pandemic Meanwhile Get in that classroom Get in there now And ignore that mouse Sorry Jay Marie uh, Anyway So I, I don't know just kind of seem like petty, you know. And and the and the mayor just certain Aldermen they rubber the wrong way. By Rosicio Lopez, don't invite them to the same party. Oh no, you know. She hasn't said anything bad about Carlos Ramirez Rosa in a while, so maybe she likes him though. <laughs> uh, she doesn't like Raylo, as we know. So, uh, but you know, it just seemed like a reasonable idea, a reasonable experiment. You have uh, a house in the middle of a, an area with a lot of crime and you have police in, in the house and they work with the residents and it's a form of community policing and, you know, it's a police presence. We're always talking about promoting better relationships between the police and the community. I don't know. seemed like made sense to me. All the other aldermen liked it. <sighs> but you know how it goes. Do you get on that wrong foot? It's hard to get on
1: the good foot. I love that quote. <laughs> Which one? Wrong foot, good foot. Yeah, that's good. It just popped into my head. Oh, yeah, good foot. Maybe you get on the light foot, right? Am I right there?
2: Okay, I'm speechless. That was good. Not the good foot, the light foot.
1: <laughs> Not the get on the good foot. Yeah. Okay. What is happening to our show? All right, let's bring it back in here. I have all the quotes on all of this going on. First up. It's the Alderman of the 38th Ward, Ben. Who is that? The Alderman of the th- Oh, my guy, Nick. <laughs> Nick Spazzato. Nick weighed in? Yep, Spazzato weighed in instead of Beal's two-year quest quote. And I'm not doing a Spazzato impression. He said, quote, you kept trying and you stuck with it. <laughs> yeah, Nick Sposato,
2: Uh weighing in. Uh, now, Nick's, Nick's a curious one because on one hand, uh, he likes to You know he's uh, He's been known to defy the mayor uh, Not this mayor but Mayor Rahm Emanuel but lately he tries to get along as much As he can with the mayor uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot So he's kind of walking that Narrow Tight road there dude.
1: I got a quote from the 27th Ward Alderman Bin. Who's that?
2: Oh that would be your good friend uh, Walter Burnett
1: Oh yeah never met him in my life All right, <laughs> Walter Burnett says quote I don't know why we won't use public funds to pay for it. I tell you, I'm willing to use my menu money if you put one of those in my ward right now. We need yeah. one on every corner.
2: Yeah, Walter Burnett, of course, is very much a mayor mayoral loyalist. So the fact that he was singing praise uh, to Beal's uh, proposals, a good idea that Mayor Lori Lightfoot probably figured, hey, you know. I don't need to have a fight with Anthony Beal over a cop house in the middle of a huge fight with the uh, Chicago teachers union over get back in a classroom right now and ignore that mouse. So, uh, you know, maybe she's learning, maybe the mayor's learning, you know what I'm saying? Every now and then you got to kind of get along, go along, get along, right?
1: Good maybe foot, right over. foot, whatever. All right. Um, <laughs> Burnett went on to say, this is fantastic thinking out of the box. It's worth a try. We need to try any and everything we can to make the police feel safe, but also helping to build that relationship with the police in our community. And finally, one more quote. This one's from the 15th Ward Alderman. I want
2: an answer.
1: (laughs) Alderman Raymond Lopez bemoaned the fact that, quote, politics and pettiness nearly derailed this effort to save lives in Roseland.
2: Yes. Raylo is not afraid to speak up against Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, We have learned that over the last couple of years. Now, if we see them... What is it, elbow bumping day? If we see Raylo and uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot doing it, then we really know that peace reigns. But actually, Raylo is probably more in tune with Mayor Lori Lightfoot with that. Raylo is kind of a conservative guy, you know, not a big fan of the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, I think he's, there's parts of uh, Raymond Lopez that are a little sympathetic to MAGA. Just saying, Raylo. Um, and um, so, you know, he and Lori kind of see eye to eye, I think, and they're, Attitude toward the teachers union. So maybe this is all part of an effort D, for, to coalesce with some of the more conservative members of the Chicago city council.
1: All right. And there you are. Like I said, we do not have the updates on what went down on today's city council meeting. You know, we'll be providing them maybe after our interview with Monroe Anderson, but there's a good chance we'll have those details on tomorrow's program. So stick around because episode two of a <laughs> mayor and her alderman will be happening very shortly. <laughs> a mayor
0: and her alderman. In, I want an answer. In, it's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. If you think oh, we no won't... fuck you <laughs> <Who> are you <laughs> going
3: to tell me I'm full of
1: shit? Uh, never gets old. <laughs> no, it doesn't.
2: Yeah, we have to I'll reach out to Rayla. We haven't had him on in a while. Uh, but it's... Uh, D there's so many... Great guests in so little time. You ever feel that way? You know oh, what yeah.
1: I'm oh, yeah. All right. And uh, no public events scheduled for our okay. Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. But it looks like we got another Illinois elected leader of the conservative persuasion nipping at the governor's heels again. We're going to discuss this later uh, on who that is in the back half after our interview with Monroe Anderson. Also, we're going to be talking. The latest in the political game of music, musical chairs that's going on in Springfield at the moment. Kelly Cassidy looking to become senator. Uh, there's more on that we're going to be talking about as well. Remember, everybody, you can download previous Ben shows, Benny J. Bonus interviews and so much more. What, Ben? You got your hand raised? Uh, I
2: feel like a kid in class. I have my hand in the air. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, that was a great tease. He's the master of the tease, ladies and gentlemen. Pride and joy ball in yeah, Illinois. Wasn't done He's- yet, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'll go. <laughs> I was like the kid in the class. Like, oh, pick on me. And the teacher's like, a little Johnny. I am not done yet. Let me finish. And then I will pick on you. So go ahead. Do finish your thoughts?
1: Find us online at Benny J show B E N N Y the letter J show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus <laughs> <laughs> interviews and so much more at ChicagoReader.com And wherever else you download <laughs> your favorite podcasts, the interview we had with Sam Holloway's up there and coming tonight at 7 p.m. Our interview with a fellow named Constantine. All right. He's talking about uh, Uber drivers and much more. Uh, very great interview. That's going to be coming up as well. Check all of that out. Uh, you can send us an email, Benny J show at gmail.com. And you can call us 708-658-4788. The number again, <laughs> 708-658-4788. <laughs> call the Ben Jarowski show. Well, dear, <clears throat> thank you for calling on me.
2: Uh, I have a confession to make, so I'm going to make this confession. All right, ready? I have to say <laughs> that was my confession. It's kind of oh. hard to make it, but oh, this involves wanna... the
1: Kelly Cassidy story, right? Yes Well, that's going to be confession. coming up after our interview with Monroe Anderson. All right, Ben's got Chicago a confession to make, Tribune huh? Was right. Oh, Chicago Tribune was right. I
2: hate saying it, but I have to say it.
1: The Chicago Tribune was right. Uh, We're going to be talking about that more with our interview with Monroe Anderson. I just sent Monroe an email. Oh, huh. Should Should I call him? We're going to take a break. When we come back, Monroe Anderson, don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky show live from my apartment in Ben's attic.
0: an answer if you want to talk about a separate issue there will be a time and a place for that but you are out of order sir thank god
1: Here we go. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, January 27th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor and Chicago Reader. Benny Jay, take it away.
2: Every Wednesday, the Ben Tereska Show, Monroe Anderson joins me from his home in Chicago. We're no longer in a studio, of course, and Monroe and I are very concerned about uh, getting the pandemic, so, uh, excuse me, getting uh, the virus uh, in the midst of this pandemic, so he sh- sure as hell is not joining me in my attic, that's for certain. Anyway, uh, Monroe wrote a very funny little bit for Facebook. Monroe, I'm going to read it, and this will act as sort of our cheat sheet, all right?
3: Okay, the beginning.
2: The beginning. Yes. Uh, and I wonder, I'm hoping to see if we can stay on uh, track this time. We'll see if we go off on tangents. Here we go. Did you know that Trump nuts haven't figured out that America's biggest loser is one and done? Did you realize that I and only I alone <laughs> could evict Trump from the White House? Uh, There's a smiley face. Did you know that Trump's number one suck up is back home in Indiana, missing the Veep's mansion in D.C. and laying low, fearing and ducking and dodging from certifiably insane Trump supporters? Did you realize that Republican leaders were nothing more than whiny, spineless wimps who are afraid of the Trump cult? Did you realize that impeaching Trump again was required in order to discourage some future authoritarian president who will most assuredly be smarter or more competent than 45 from trying to steal the presidency through sedition? If your answer was no to any of these questions, listen to Ben and me live at 2 o'clock. Yes, yes. That's what's on Trump. Uh, Trump is very much still on Monroe's mind, uh, even though he is no longer officially the president of the United States. I don't blame you. Monroe, uh, for having Trump on the brain, because Trumpism is still very alive in this country. We'll get into all that, answer uh, the discussions uh, raised by your questions. And then, near the end, we'll if we do it correctly, we'll have a little baseball and football conversation, and I'm going to put you in the hot seat when it comes to Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, and the Chicago Teachers Union. But... Um, Yeah, our mayor. I believe you and I both voted for her. I know I I voted for her as my listeners love to remind me uh, from time to time as I watch this administration unfold. All right, Monroe, uh, let's start. um, Well, let's start with Pence. Mike Pence hiding out in Indiana has tried to figure out what to do next, got a MAGA mad at him because what? He didn't follow Donnie Trump's orders and-, uh,
3: and He obeyed the constitution. He followed the, the, the constitution that he had sworn to, to, to obey.
2: Um, as a uh, former Indianian, wow, well, it's yeah. hard to say. Uh, as oh yes, a as a, I'm, I'm sorry, how could I forget? As a former Hoosier. Do you have any sympathy? For Mike Pence on any front,
3: uh, no, <laughs> not one, one bit. He got what he deserved. You, you die. You live by the suck. You die by the suck.
2: <laughs> uh, do Do you have any part of you that sort of respects Mike Pence?
3: No, 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 none. You know, I I almost pity him because he did all that sucking up and big butt kissing for four years. And at the end, he had to follow the law instead of risk going to prison. Mm. And Trump cut him off at the knees. And so now, because he's lived in public housing For a number of years now, Hmm. he doesn't have any place to stay, So he's he's couch surfing with various Republican um, politicians throughout the state. And plus, he doesn't want to stay anywhere too long because they were going to lynch him if they got their hands on him at the Capitol on January 6th. And um, he still doesn't, um, he's still not safe. And he had, you know, he has a couple of Secret Service guys um, protecting him, but he just don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, as uh, former Senator Jeff Sessions learned in Alabama, uh, right now there's a heavy price, political price I'm talking about, uh, to be paid for any legislator. Uh, who gets on the bad side of Donald Trump. And this is the power. This is why uh, we can't stop talking about Donald Trump, because obviously he's still very much a factor and a force in uh, politics in this country.
3: Well, you know, this is the situation. His support among Republicans is something like 88%. But... Um, Republicans only make up 17% of the American voter. So it's it's, it's, it's an outsized uh, support indicator. How, however, these people are fanatical, as you saw when they uh, tried to overturn our government on January 6th.
2: Yeah, and they're also, uh, they still control the Republican Party. And that's what I, the point I made about Jeff Sessions. Uh, Jeff Sessions, very bizarre political story. He was absolutely loyal to Trump. He left his uh, Senate seat to become Attorney General, ran afoul of Trump. Uh, Trump bounced him out of uh, being the Attorney General. And then when he tried to run for well, his own office of, again, he, ran, he got swapped.
3: Yeah, he ran afoul of Trump because he wouldn't recuse himself. And become Trump's Roy Cohn. And Trump wanted that that was what Trump expected of him. And when he didn't do it, although he did all sorts of other weird and crazy things. But you know, with with Trump, either you drew as Trump says, or you get on his bad side.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And they just followed along. He could not win the Republican uh, primary this just last year uh, in Alabama. And now he's, I don't know where he is. Uh, he, he's in exile. And the right. same thing will probably happen to Mike Pence. I doubt Mike Pence, former governor of Indiana, could win a statewide race in Indiana. because
3: well, he, his plans are... Mm-hmm because um, God told him this. But his plans are to be president. He doesn't want to win a, a statewide position in Indiana. He's, he's, he's cooling his jets uh, until tr- Trump decides he's not gonna re- be, uh, be a repeat. And then he thinks that he'll be the guy. But then so does Pompey and uh, a, a few other Republicans.
2: Wow. Well, Mike Pence is seriously deluded if he thinks he's going to be the Republican nominee uh, when he's so reviled uh, by the Republican voters uh, who will determine the uh, Republican nominee. All right. Now let's get to the impeachment vote that went. probably
3: going to be Nikki Haley, but we'll see.
2: You, uh, no, you think Nikki? All right, that's your first prediction for the Republican nominee for twenty twenty four, Nikki
3: Haley. I, I probably don't be trying to tie me in. It could be Trump. <laughs> he 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 could have you know. So I mean, if uh, assuming assuming Sergio is as wrong as he was about Trump dying in office, then <laughs> Trump may not die in four years, and therefore it'll be him. <laughs>
2: No, I think it's uh, that's partly what's going on uh, in Washington with the impeachment. Let's get into that. Uh, I I, we've talked about this in the past. The um, desire of Republicans, certain Republicans, just to cut the cord with Trump once and for all, and impeachment would go a long way, obviously, to that because once if he were convicted by the Senate, uh, then they could passed by a majority, a um, A simple majority, a simple majority, just straight up uh, 50-50 with uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris providing the decisive vote, a measure that would prevent him from running again. But Monroe, I never believed that the Republican senators, they would round up enough Republican senators uh, to convict Donald Trump. And after the vote that went down yesterday or it was the day before, I can't remember which,
3: Well, you know, you're you're probably right. That seems to be the conventional wisdom. Mm -hmm. However, my being the optimist, I am. I'm thinking that when the trial goes on and you keep seeing um, pictures, moving pictures of that um, mob, lynch mob, trying to get in, into the cap, getting in that, breaching the, the doors, the barriers and getting into the U.S. Capitol mm-hmm. and trying to find the vice president of the United States so they could lynch him. And uh, when it's all explained, you're going to have witnesses talking about how Trump incited him you're going to have you have video of that existing and um some of those um republicans who were hiding under desk and, and wondering if they were going to live to see see january 7th um have to come face to face with that again we'll see i'm not i i it's a, it's a long, long, long shot, but I think that it can happen still.
2: Well, they need 12 others. Uh, the five that they got yesterday, the five that voted with the Democrats uh, to have a trial uh, include a Susan Collins, which the senator for Maine. That surprised me. I was surprised by that. Were you surprised by Susan Collins? You know, in the past, Monroe, she's been the one who said, well, I'm thinking about, you know, breaking from right. Donnie. Right. Uh, and then she ultimately was- votes with uh, Trump.
3: She, she dodged the bullet in the November election. As so she learned her lesson. Trump, Trump didn't learn his as she thought, as she claimed that she was sure he had in not being impeached the first time. But she learned her lesson. And so, no, she's, um, she's back to being a sensible Republican.
2: Yeah, so I think that... Uh... She'll be I think she will vote for uh, impeachment. Lisa Murkowski from Alaska. she already said right. uh, that she was going to do well, it. she weren't surprised with her right No yeah. uh, and I think she'll be and then and, Ben and uh, Mitch and not, uh, um Mitch Romney
3: yeah, yeah
2: uh, um, and and then Ben Sass from
3: uh, uh he's on his way out, so what does he have to lose? Oh, no he's he's on his way out. Uh, he no he no
2: okay. i don't think he's on his way you be wrong
3: about that yeah
2: he's a young man and uh he's got a lot of political ambition i i gave him credit see I, I, i'm all over the map on this one monroe um how much credit should i give a republican uh for devi- uh defying trump and um i i, I feel as like any Republican Senator at this point who votes to impeach Donald Trump or votes to convict Donald Trump deserves uh, recognition and praise because it's really frightening what's happening
3: right now they' they they are literally fearful for their lives,
2: yeah. Um Patrick Toomey, I believe, is the one you were thinking of that maybe stepping down from Pennsylvania. He's a senator from Pennsylvania. Yeah. And he was elected. This was so frustrating because he got elected in 2016 as part of the uh, you know, in the in um the Trump uh election, the Trump Hillary Clinton election. And that was so frustrating uh to Democrats because that you know, you know, losing control of the Senate uh was such was so problematic for the right. four years of the Trump uh term terms of judges
3: and uh right and uh and judges and judges and 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 um tax breaks for the rich and after that we are finished yeah. that's it
2: and uh so Mitch McConnell was not one of those five were you surprised by that
3: yeah. uh no. No. no 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 Mitch Mitch, Mitch, Mitch has his um finger up in the air and and it's wet he stuck it in his mouth first and so he's just trying to uh, figure out where the wind is blowing and he'll go any kind of way as long as the only thing that's important to Mitch is power he has no principles and he's smarter than Trump by well, who is isn't okay, So uh, no, I'm not surprised. And I think I think Portland is is going to vote for impeachment. Uh, Rob
2: Portman, yeah, from Ohio, yeah. Uh, who also said? Okay, he's the man who said he's not going to run again. He's right. the one. That's who you were right. trying to think of. Yeah. Right. Uh, it was. It was. Yeah. He said he's not going to run again. Yeah, I didn't even vote yesterday. <laughs> dude said he wasn't gonna and that was funny because uh when he said he wasn't gonna run again and he just said uh it's just it's so nasty out there and i just have to step away man did he get ripped i know so right. many of the uh, liberal democrats were just ripping the hell out of where were you worrying right. about the nastiness during these last four years you know what right. i'm saying
3: right right uh
2: and uh so yeah, yeah he was
3: i think that's probably a bad strategy I don't think we should at- attack uh, the Republican senators who have finally come to their senses and punish them for for, for um, hanging with Trump through those four years because we need um, uh, uh, some more if we're going to get him, if, if we're going to get him convicted and so they shouldn't be caught in the middle between a rock and a hard place where nobody's giving them any love.
2: Well, okay. There's the notion of bad strategy.
3: Again, afterwards. Yeah, I was gonna (laughs) say. (laughs) We just joking. You're still a jerk. (laughs) I mean, there's
2: bad strategy, and then there's just like human behavior. We're human beings, you know, and uh, it's just. At some point, it's really difficult. I I I had this. Um, I deal with this all the time. Uh, I deal with this with the Raffersberger, the uh, Secretary of State in Georgia. When I right. and I talked about this in the show, I may have talked about it with you. When I watched him on sixty Minutes, and right. they started. He he voted for Donald Trump. He wanted Donald Trump to win, and right. then suddenly he. Uh, it was dealing with Donald Trump on the phone, berating him and trying to force him into doing something that was wrong. Right. I just so we're all supposed to view Rasperger as this hero because he
3: he did so the right he thing. Not a hero, but he is a patriot. Which most of these people who are supporting Trump are just the opposite of that. They are not. They are they're anything but patriots. But this is how they they have. Uh, come to think of themselves. That's their story and they're sticking to it. All
2: right. So uh, that, that brings was me to Adam.
3: Anti-American what they've been doing.
2: So would you vote for Adam Kinzinger, then? The Republican congressman from the 16th Congressional District uh, in Illinois who's been outspoken in his opposition yeah. to Trumpism?
3: I'm not in his district. For... Well that's not <laughs> talking a Dodge if I ever <laughs> No I wouldn't I would be a Republican. <laughs> you know, the, uh, God, I'm trying to th- think. There was this, the, there was this um, congressman. I think he was from Michigan, oh, mm-hmm. who who voted um, f- for the impeachment. And they had him on, and he was talking about how uh, Trump obviously did the incitement, and he's, you know, he sounded quite rational until they asked him one of those Republican points that he just automatically fell into it. And I went, oh, I forgot, he's a Republican. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. uh, it reminds me, it really does bring him back. Uh, one of the, the good, great moments when we were back in the studio at the Sun-Times. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever have moments like this again, uh, where just impromptu debates occurred. One day, Willie Wilson, Uh, who was running for mayor, who ran for mayor, ran for Senate, is a Republican, even though he doesn't ever want to admit it, uh, showed up unexpectedly when Monroe was in the studio. And <laughs> you remember that? And we said, Hey, Monroe and Willie Wilson in the studio at the same time. Right. Uh, and then he started going off with his, you know, Willie Wilson Republican stuff. And then you just go, well, it's always good to rem- remember Willie Wilson is a Republican. Right.
3: So I said he is rich. That's what I said. Oh yeah. He's rich. rich. Sorry, yeah. Which, um, <laughs> That was a flatter as far as he was concerned. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. I am rich. I give money away. <laughs> yeah, I'm so
2: rich. I give money away. All right, right. Uh, get your response uh, to Tulsi Gabbard. I opened the show uh, with reference to something, a position she's taking more and more, and I'd love to get your response to this. Uh, as you recall, you were never at any point, uh, even remotely considering voting for her when no, she was I running. She was,
3: from, I thought she was nuts. She did
2: have one moment of uh, of significance in uh the the summer uh democratic primary there's no doubt about it she was the one who uh, went hard at kamala and probably yeah. forced kamala she ended all of kamala's uh, momentum no doubt about it kamala harris had momentum coming out of that first debate where she went hard on uh, biden right. and then uh in the next debate uh tulsa Gabbard went hard at her for her record on uh arresting people or prosecuting people for marijuana offenses anyway. So she did play a role in that debate.
3: Yeah, she played a role, but I still, I thought she was nuts. I I never took her seriously.
2: Uh, well and uh, again I like to point out uh, Ramana Hussein is Samina Mustafa Regulars on the shore Very critical for Her hostility toward Muslims uh, Which as I said earlier May explain why she's So popular with MAGA Anyway she uh, is uh, She's no longer in Congress And she uh, has been uh, Taking a strong stand Against uh, some of the measures Being proposed by Democrats And she wrote this uh, She had this statement Get your response to this Monroe The mob who stormed the Capitol To try to stop Congress From carrying out its Constitution responsibilities were behaving like domestic enemies of our country but right. let us be clear the John Brennans, Adam Schiff's and the oligarchs in big tech who are trying to undermine our constitutionally protected rights and turn our country into a police state with KGB style surveillance are also domestic enemies and much more powerful and therefore more dangerous than the mob who stormed the Capitol. your thoughts about that?
3: Uh, what was the name of the officer that was beaten to death? Oh, he's not around. <laughs> I'm sure he would disagree with that. Yeah. And um, yeah, That's crazy. Or even the officer that got caught in the door and it was was crying out for his life, all but said, I can't breathe. Um, what, you know, I mean... Euphemistically speaking, not euphemistically, theoretically speaking, uh, hypoth- uh, theoretically speaking, you can say that anything that somebody t- uh, has policy could be wrong and uh, unpatriotic, etc. But that mob was literally. Um, coming in there to overthrow the, the the government the US government had they had, had 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 they had seconds more we some of some of those uh, politicians in there that are now siding with with Trump would be dead because they were they were there for blood I mean this was not a this was not a um, we're gonna play tag once we get inside they they, they, they were gonna hurt and kill people. So it's, it's not the same. You know, that's, that's one of the false equivalencies that um, have run rampant the past four years.
2: Yeah, I, I, have, I struggle with this, uh, Monroe, because I find, this, I find it frustrating on many levels. You cannot have a debate about civil liberties and free expression in this country uh, when clearly one side is using it as a weapon. I, I, to just to beat up on the other side, and so you, it's not like there's people who believe in a universal principle of free speech. It's like they just want it for their side, right? And I see that on uh, uh, Democrats and Republicans, uh, obviously, um, because the notion of free speech for everybody is an unsettling principle.
3: Because well, you might uh, find this speech uh, really uh, offensive. Uh, yeah, but the problem is that there is no free speech for everybody. It, you, ha- you have free speech. Congress shall make no laws. That's that's what the Constitution says. Congress shall make no laws um, preventing you from, from speaking out. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's it. Um, nobody else can do that. If you. It, 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 if I say the wrong thing to Joyce, I don't get free speech for that. I get I, I get I get punished in some way. or <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's the same for you. It's more if you if you it, it, you you worked for that radio station and you spoke too freely. <laughs> And they yes. say, shut the F up. <laughs> yeah. you, you just don't get that. I mean, that's not, That's not. nobody gets free speech. Yeah, There are consequences to speaking your mind. That's why you need a filter on there and to sometimes not say what you really want to say or think.
2: Uh, fair enough. I, uh, I,
3: they, you know, and they use that again. Politicians use that whole free speech, you know, as, 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 as if, anybody can have at any time and that's just not true
2: yeah no I I hear you and uh, I just today I got some I forget where it was but I saw uh, a, an essay that uh, went through all the offensive things that Ben Shapiro uh, has said about Muslims and he claimed you know if anybody makes any attempt to criticize or chastise him, He'll say, well, you're preventing me from exercising my rights to free expression. You're muzzling me. Right. And But it, what he's saying is so offensive. Right. It, it, I, just don't, I just don't hear Ben Shapiro coming to the aid of what? Of a, a Black Lives Matter person who says really offensive things. I, I would even take Black Lives Matter. Any black person who says something offensive about a white white people. Do you follow what I'm saying, Monroe? Oh,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I mean that's, I I have been uh, on Facebook. I have been chastised for saying some of my stronger things I say about Trump nuts, and them accusing me of being like crude and vulgar and horrible. And I, and, I, and then I just point out, well, but don't you support Trump? <laughs> he, he says these sort of things every day when when he could tweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, you know what he's doing now. Right? He's he's been he's had, he has some staff remaining, and what he's he's had his staff calling Republican senators. And telling them, uh, Trump has his eyes on you. So he's still threatening. Oh, no, yeah. With no power. Yeah. Except the power of uh, the yeah. Trump must love him.
2: Yeah, they, no, he has got tremendous power. Speaking of which, uh, I got a solicitation this weekend from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, one of your favorites. She's running for governor of uh, Arkansas. Her dad, Mike Huckabee, was the governor of Arkansas. Yeah. She, of course, was... Uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, so was Bill Clinton, yes. Trump's press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, for a couple of years. And I'll just read to you um, her, uh, the fundraising pitch. Uh and it says, friend, America is great because we are free but today our freedom and the rule of law are under attack. To remain free we must have law and order and resolve our differences peacefully. The radical left solution is to impose government control and censorship from the top down but their socialism and cancel culture will not heal America It will only further divide and destroy us. Everything we love about America is at stake and with the radical left now in control of Washington, your governor is your last line of defense. In fact your governor may be the front line, and then she goes on uh, to ask me to kick in some money to support her uh, campaign. But what like did you send her?
3: It's in the mail. you are! You probably
2: the mail, Monroe. <laughs> By the way, and then and then she goes. It's like it's flashing on, like the things that she is. Uh, Christian, wife, mom, proud Arkansas man. Christian, man, that's just putting it out there, huh?
3: Christian, uh, right. Uh, why, why
2: would your religion matter? Uh, and yeah, they talk about freedoms and liberties, and then in the same pitch, they, I'm a Christian, right. Well, I know you're free to say you're Christian, but what difference does that make? In this country, we have a liberty and freedom to be anything we want.
3: No, 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 no. You need to be part, part of God's gang. If, if you're not in there with the Lord, he's not blessing you and you're praying to him, then yeah. you're unworthy. You know, it's just like with this, this whole attempt to steal the election, the presidential election. What Trump was trying to do was disenfranchise millions of black voters who voted for Biden. It's like, well, they're not white. They don't look like me. So their vote shouldn't count. And if I have my way, it won't count.
2: Yeah. That's absolutely the inconsistency here. How about this one, Monroe? Uh, she said, uh, Today, our freedom and rule of law are under attack. To remain free, we must have law and order and resolve our differences peacefully. The radical left solution is to oppose government control and censorship at the top down. Wait a minute, law and order? What? You're for law and order, but not one word about the uh, people who stormed the Capitol?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're already saying, forget about January 6th. That was so long ago, and that little freaky thing that happened, that doesn't matter.
2: Meanwhile, law and order. Law and order for everybody else but me. Uh, All right, we're going to close with a little sports talk and a little local talk, sports in quotes. I had to write a uh, sort of an apology to Brian Urlacher uh, for – a linebacker for the Chicago bears. I wrote a column this, uh, summer, uh, and I talked a lot about it a lot on the podcast Where Brian or issued some statements in support of Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, the 18 year old from, uh, Illinois who shot two people at Kenosha, yeah. uh, and extolled his great praise for Donald Trump. Was
3: 17?
2: He was 17 when he did the shooting. I think yeah, he's 18 right, now. Right, right, yeah. um, So uh, anyway, Brian Urlacher's brother, Casey Urlacher, was just pardoned by Trump, and I suddenly came to the conclusion that I don't know if uh, Brian Urlacher really was a right-wing windbag or a potential racist. Uh, Maybe he was just trying to play Donald Trump to get his brother off. What do you think?
3: He could be both. Okay. (laughs) So I shouldn't apologize? Right, right. it's not an either-or thing, right, exactly. (laughs) I mean, time will tell. will there, will be some other moment that pops up. But uh, I've, I don't i do not know. Although, if if Biden, if um, if if I get in trouble, I'm sure that you you would um, lie for me and, and praise Biden to get me a, a pardon. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Well, you're you're not going to get in trouble. You are so safe in your house. You're not going to get in any kind of trouble uh, like Casey Urlacher did. You're not going to be running any get involved in any gambling rings or anything like that. I can assure you of that. But I would, if necessary, I would go. Joe Biden is the greatest president this United States has ever had. I love Joey. B
3: would have been. <laughs>
2: oh, that's hard for me to say. I can't. He's.
3: I can't say it. No, but for you,
2: Monroe, to get you out of jail, I would say it. All right, the other one.
3: Before we go, one quick thing. What do you think about all these Bernie memes?
2: I love them. I love Bernie. I, I've, you know what? Uh, you're going to laugh at me. I can see the laughter coming already. But it's like there's some old rock stars. That as time goes on, I love them more and more. Yeah. So like uh, uh, John Lennon. It's just like with each pad, I hear a lot. I go, oh, that guy really had it. And there's Michael other rock Jackson. stars,
3: Ma- Michael Jackson. No, Michael
2: Jackson, first of all, is a pop singer. And oh my God, it's so amazing. I, it's just the opposite with Michael Jackson. As time goes on, I like him less and less, except for the Jackson Five. I love those old Jackson Five songs. Yeah. Mama's Pooh, da, da da Anyway. Yeah. So, um, A-B- but, but ABC, a yeah, pride and joy, Gary and going back to Indiana, Monroe, uh, Anderson, uh, in and going back to Indiana, they mentioned your high school, Roosevelt high school.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but, uh, with, it's like that with Bernie Sanders, I just, the guy has fought, fought the fight for so long and I just have such admiration for him. And so, yeah, there he was, he showed up, he was wearing the most practical jacket and mittens. Hats.
3: Except what, for a hat. He didn't. Yeah,
2: no, I know. He should have been wearing a hat. I don't know what exactly. he was saying. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, Red there you go with the commie dating. There you go.
3: Yeah.
2: So, you know, I just love it, man. He's getting all this love, and people are sending uh, the memes out. Uh, so
3: as, it, as I have said many times, um, I, I like Bernie too. It's just that I I. Bernie would never have been president. We'd we'd have Trump, and the brown would be marching around. Right now. <laughs>
2: well, uh, Bernie, Bernie would have won in twenty sixteen. But let's let's put the, that Bernie uh, conversation aside. Okay. I I love the memes, and he's going to be the budget. He's going to be chair of the budget committee in the uh, in the Senate. So I'm really hoping that he could use that position to kind of force or to push the conversation a little to the left.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, no that that's gonna work, I think.
2: Uh, and all right, uh, Kurt Schilling is a right wing uh, former baseball player who is really out there. Said some really weird things. Uh, he was a pretty good pitcher. wasn't that great, but he was a pretty good pitcher. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so,
3: what well, he did, his claim to flame, and he might might not be a sports person at all. I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to sort this out, but his claim to fame was getting the Red Sox a World Series, sort of helping them to get the World yeah. Series, right?
0: Yeah,
3: and, and they 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 were further away from it than the, than the Cubs had been.
2: Uh, no, that's actually not true. The Reds, well, whatever. They were in the same category as the Cubs. They they hadn't won in years and years, but go ahead. Yes.
3: Yeah. So that's his claim to fame. It's not that he was that great or he was no Hank Aaron, you know.
2: Uh, Henry Aaron no he, he definitely not The great Henry Aaron but uh, alright anyway uh, So Kurt Schilling Did not make the Hall of Fame uh, And it was clear that some if The Hall of Fame in baseball uh, Is determined by a vote of sports writers It was clear that some sports writers Were using Kurt uh, Schilling's Whacked out right wing views Against him and just could not Stomach voting for him so they didn't vote for him Denied him the votes he needed to be, make the Hall of Fame Monroe Anderson should they have not looked at his bizarre, uh, far right uh, Trumpian views and voted for him anyway? Your thoughts?
3: Uh, they sh- no, they should not have voted for him because he's only, like I said, he. I mean, his main claim to fame is helping the Red Sox uh, win a World Series. Other than that, I mean, he's just he was just another good player, not a Hall of Famer.
2: Uh, I'm with you, and I also believe they shouldn't. I, I don't think he's that good a player to begin with, but no, I'd right. have no problem with them using his political view. If they're going to keep Bobby Bonds out uh, because he took steroids, if they're going to keep Pete Rose out because he bet on baseball, and in other words, if they're going to take things that happen outside the diamond, right, bring that into consideration, then if you're like a – A right-wing white supremacist or
3: something? Uh-uh. Sorry. Right, right. No, part of what we have to do is make being a white supremacist uh, a very negative thing that will harm you. And so at least you will have to crawl back under your rock. You know, you still may remain a white supremacist, but you're not going to be marching with tiki torches in Charlottesville. And, and without
2: your hoods. <laughs> uh, that's uh, I'm going to agree with you on that point. And that's as good as point as ever uh, to end the conversation because it's good that we see eye to eye on that thing. Kurt Schilling should not go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, I do believe with you that there should be some consequences for Erickson. now. It'd be really hard if he had the most sensational, incredible uh, statistics in the world, and he still was a right wing. Right, uh, nut case.
3: Well, you know, like uh, let, let let's go to a certain uh, quarterback who shall go unnamed. His politics are maybe a, a little bit shady. Who knows? But he is a, a goat for sure. Oh, it's about Tom
2: Brady. Uh, yes. Do you notice how Tom Brady uh, pushed moved away from Trump? I don't yeah. know if you noticed that he, oh, yeah, no, like, know. Yeah, know. he was friends with Trump when Trump yeah. got elected. He, he, Tom Brady clearly is, he's like, he didn't understand yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: no, he's not a Right. That's what I'm saying. He's not, yeah. a, he's not a, 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 far right person. He's a little bit too conservative for me. I, 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 I strongly suspect, but he is definitely incredible. Yeah. Uh, he is incredible. He, he's the, um, Michael Jordan of football.
2: Yes. He's he's the greatest of all time. And I believe that if he were just as outspoken white supremacist, he wouldn't have that stature. Because no. if you're going to play professional football, you're going to have to play football with black guys. Right. And if you're just an out-and-out out racist...
3: 60, about 60%, 60, 66% black guys, Right.
2: So he like saw where it was going. Tom Brady's smart, smart man. He goes, he realized that it was not a good idea to be too closely affiliated with one Donald John Trump. And so he just moved away.
3: Right, Uh, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. So uh, that's part of the reason. Which Earl Lacker might not have done.
2: (laughs) No, which Earl Lacker might not have done. All right, Monroe Anderson, stay safe and sound. We'll talk to you next week. All right.
1: Uh, okay. Hey, Monroe, right. Monroe, can you actually do us a favor real quick? Sure. Cool. Uh, our anniversary show is coming up on February 27th. Two years will be uh, our podcast anniversary. We're not counting those years at that radio station or whatever it's called. Uh, but we're, what we're wanting here is... Have you been
3: podcasting for two years? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. Time goes by when you're having fun.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, okay, and, so what am I doing? Well, I was hoping you could like give us like a, you know, like how you hear it on the radio when they, uh, you know, you'll say, Hey, this is Monroe Anderson. And I just want to wish the Ben Jeromsky show a happy anniversary and put whatever kind of message you want in there as well. You know? Okay. Would that be you cool? Want me to do that right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just give you a countdown. Yeah. I'll give you a three, two, one countdown okay. and you go ahead and let Thank it rip. You. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, Anniversary wish. Three, two, one, go. Hey, this
3: is Monroe Anderson, and I want to wish Kindrosky show a happy two years anniversary. And I want us to pack our pat ourselves on the back for evicting Donald John Trump.
1: <laughs> nice.
3: Nice. <laughs> I uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's great, Monroe. I gave us credit. I did uh for the the reader newsletter. I gave the two of us credit for doing that. And uh Steve Brown, mayor uh me, mayor, mayor Madigan, boy. I'm mixing everything up. Uh, Michael Madigan's press spokesperson sent me a letter going, Oh God, give me a break. <laughs> like you had anything to do with it. Uh but uh, what the heck, Monroe? Let's uh, give ourselves so, a uh, pat uh, of the back.
3: We we were the butterfly effect.
2: Yes, we were the but <laughs> we were unremittingly Right. Anti-Donald John Trump from the get-go.
3: Right, right. So,
2: and still, by the way, I still say this, Trump is gone and he's not on um, social media, but it Trumpism is still very much a threat. And uh, I get texts almost every day from listeners like Frank, for instance, all these updates from these insane Congress people uh, who are just taking Trump to the next level. So it's it's pretty scary out he, there. This is mind.
3: why I don't want him to have a heart attack. Or anything, because he would become. If he, should he die around this time, he would become a martyr. Uh, I, I want him to have the, them to have the trial, and they've exposed things. I want the the, the um, New York uh, prosecutors to have their way with them, and uh, within a year or two, he will be as worthless as he's always been.
2: Mm-hmm uh all right another prediction from monroe anderson Uh, all right monroe thank you very much for the tribute we'll talk to you next week all right
3: all right okay all
2: right all right that's that's great monroe anderson uh d what's the latest
1: we have updates let's do the back half we do have an update on this morning chicago city council meeting and technically yes you could call this breaking news (laughs) The following comes from Chicago Sun-Times reefer writer Tommy Shuba and Fran the Woman Spielman. And, yes, technically, you could call this a joint piece. Am I right, Ben?
0: Wah,
1: wah. Oh, wow, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> The headline reads, Alderman pushes the Nick's ban on pot shops in heart of downtown. Alderman Brendan Riley on Wednesday introduced an ordinance that would allow pot shops to move into the heart of the loop, doing away with much maligned exclusion zone that was championed by Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Riley, whose 42nd ward includes large portions of the downtown area, told the Sun-Times during Wednesday's city council meeting that he was introducing the measure based on the mayor's office commitment to revisit the issue. After a year of recreational cannabis sales, Riley was among the alderman resisted to the mayor's initial plan for a quote exclusion zone though he reluctantly supported a scaled back version that was approved in october 2019 but wait there's more He claimed there has been, quote, no quality of life or crime related issues related to the shops that are already selling weed just outside the restricted area downtown and insisted that the cash strapped city simply can't turn down a potential source of new revenue. An argument that he made during the initial debate over the issue. Uh, We have a quote from Riley. Riley said, quote, given the ongoing economic recession, the city's operating budget deficit and flagging revenue streams, the city can no longer afford to disqualify large portions of downtown from additional Cannabis licenses trends suggest 2021 should continue to break cannabis revenue records.
2: Yeah. Uh, I remember this debate. I was about to say D uh, from when we were still in the studio before the pandemic. It made no sense. Then we made fun of it back then. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, why would you exclude the downtown? The whole point as uh Man, it's, this seems like an ancient debate. But the whole point of uh, legalizing a recreational reefer from the point of view of like mayors is that you can get the money, the, the taxes uh, from selling the stuff that, I mean, nobody ever talked about, you know, having compassion for people who are uh, locked up and thrown into jail for smoking reefer. No, we're not gonna talk about that. It's all about how can we, how can we help with uh, balance our budget? So why would you exclude area where tourists go? You know, I mean, this again was before the pandemic. This is the most touristy area in Chicago. I didn't, I, if you want people uh, to uh, help pay your bills, if you want out to, out-of-towners to help pay your bills, why would you make it harder for them to get reefer? And why would you just have the shops right out there in the hotels? They're downtown. It made no sense at all. It was part of that, that reaction, that initial reaction, where public officials felt compelled to somehow or other distance themselves from the legalization of marijuana to show us how somehow or other they still thought there was something wrong about it. That was ridiculous and absurd. So... Uh, I'm glad to see, you know, and now the world is so different. My goodness, the downtown needs all the help it can get, right? The whole city does. Uh, So, yes, I'm with uh, Brendan Riley, 100% on that one. And, you know, Mayor Lightfoot might pull one of those moves like she did with uh, Anthony Beal on the south side. Quietly go along with it. Yeah. Time is right to drop that opposition. So, yes, it was ridiculous to have that prohibition in the first place.
1: All right, let's talk statewide news. Surprise! Another Illinois elected leader of the conservative persuasion is challenging Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker and his five-phase mitigation strategy to safely reopen Illinois. Let's begin with phase one. (laughs) Will he pull a Darren Bailey and sue the governor? Well, he hasn't done it yet, but an Illinois state representative says data and science show Governor J.B. Pritzker's COVID-19 mitigation, which was among the strictest in the nation, may have made the death rate worse in Illinois compared to neighboring states that had fewer economic restriction. Illinois state rep Tony McCombie. I guess that's how you pronounce it. It's fun to say. Illinois State Rep. Tony McCombie's district is on the border with both Iowa and Wisconsin, which ranked number 3 and number 8, respectively, for least strict states by Wallet Hub. McCombie said for months consumers have been going to neighboring states, restaurants, and other businesses, including herself. Uh, quote, we were going over there. If someone wanted to go for a cocktail or if they wanted to go for a meal or if they wanted to go shopping, consumers will find a way.
2: And they did. <laughs> Data and science, could could Tony be working, State Representative McCombie, be working with the same scientists uh, and data collectors that the mayor is now working with? With this? Data and science have shown that it's okay to open up public schools. Data and science have shown that actually it's more dangerous to shut down restaurants in a pandemic. Man, they get data and science to say absolutely anything. That's all it takes now, huh? Data and science. The Ben Drasky show has discovered that data and science has determined that there is no pandemic. Hence, we're going back to our studio. I, 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 I remember Shia Kapel's uh, great story in the. Um, uh, Politico when the bars and uh, restaurants open up in Wisconsin. Remember that D when the Supreme Court ruled uh, in favor uh, of, uh, of the bar owners effectively undercutting the efforts by the governor to implement uh, uh, safety laws, people flocking from Illinois uh, to Wisconsin. And then in the aftermath, there was indication that perhaps the the pandemic was worse here more of the virus was spread here in Illinois because by the people who went to Wisconsin so somehow or other this state rep has figured out a way to flip it all and say it's actually more dangerous to have a ban uh uh, on restaurants and bars wow poor poor J.B. Pritzker man the guy cannot win meanwhile you know in Chicago, open up the schools. They got data and scientists saying, oh, it's safe to go to school. All these doctors, oh, it's safe to go to school. So I don't know who to believe anymore, D, right? Mm-hmm. Man, it's not black, it's not white, it's gray. Okay. Well, uh, I, I would love to see uh, the data collectors and the scientists <laughs> that found a way to say it's safer uh, to keep bars and restaurants open than it is to close them. In the middle of a pandemic. Wow, that's an inter- That's some interesting scientists you got there.
1: All right, and finally, Kelly Cassidy, come on down. You're the newest senator in Illinois. It's a question. Senator Heather Staines recently announced that she plans to step down as Senator. Ever since the announcement, friend of Staines and state rep Kelly Cassidy has shown interest in taking Staines seat. All of the Chicago political bigwigs have been talking about it. Can you believe it, Kelly Cassidy? Oh my god, no way. Ah. <laughs> well, we need to pump the brakes here a little bit, all right? Because it looks like we got a few others looking to take the senator's seat. And it's not going to be that easy, Kelly Cassidy fans. Let's read the latest on this from the Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton. The headline reads, No smoke-filled Zoom. Cassidy (laughs) defends process to fill state Senate seat she is seeking. State Rep. Kelly Cassidy and two others interested in the appointment to outgoing state Senator Heather Stain's legislative seat laid out their resumes and fielded questions from constituents Tuesday evening at a virtual meeting hosted by a group that has raised concerns that the selection process shuts out voters. Mike Simmons, a lifelong resident of the district, and Cassidy explained their qualifications for the state's upper legislative chamber during the Zoom meeting hosted by a local chapter of indivisible justin Kozia Tech. my apologies if i mispronounced that <laughs> sir the district director for cook county commissioner kevin morrison said he hasn't decided if he will formally seek the appointment but talked about his experience working for the commissioner and elsewhere saying quote it would be an honor to serve the residents of the district simmons who like cassidy and Kozia Tech, is gay, founded Blue Sky Strategies, which focuses on equitable urban planning and anti-racism in public policy.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I have, this is where I have to make, um, I have to con- admit something, the Chicago Tribune Editorial Board, guys, this is going to hurt, but you are right. Yeah, I read those editorials, Steve, and most of mine might go, I can't believe these people, and <laughs> these people and me, we're in the same industry. We're in the same business. We're in the same city. These are like creatures from Mars. But every now and then they get it right. And they're right. They were right in their editorial. So there you go, Chicago Tribune editorial board. You know, when you're right, you're right. And they pointed something out. Heather Staines was just elected. I had it wrong. I thought she was elected in 2018. I got it mixed up, man. I thought she was elected in 2018, in which case her term would be up in 2022. No, negatory. She was elected in 2020. Before we came on the show, I started going through Ballotopia, looking up her re- past record. She hasn't had a challenger in the Democratic primary ever. Okay? She hasn't, I think the last Republican challenger she had may have been in 2009 I can't remember. I wrote, I should have wrote it down. Anyway, she hasn't won in years. It's like, how is this a democracy? So she just ran unopposed in 2020, was reelected. Duh, it's hard to lose when you're running unopposed. Even I could win running unopposed. Although the powers that be would figure out some way to defeat me in the uh, final analysis, I'm sure. And then steps down. And she says she has to step down because one of her parents is ill or something she wants to take care of her parent, which is, I can totally understand that. I'm not criticizing her motivation. I'm just saying... You knew that before you ran. And I I just, 40 years? This is troubling. I mean, is it in the same, is it as troubling as say, you know, uh dangerously opening up schools or bars or restaurants in the middle of the pandemic? No, is it as troubling as the inability of our country to get the vaccine to frontline essential workers? No. Okay, is it as troubling as a mob, you know, descending on the Capitol? No, but it's troubling. It's anti-democratic. And it's the way things have happened in the city of Chicago for a long time. It just undercuts the credibility of everybody. And, you know... I'm against the fair map movement in the state of Illinois because I think it's fraudulent uh, to do it in Illinois when we have Democrats in charge and give the Republicans a pass in Wisconsin and Michigan. So I think it should be nationwide. But this just this does show why we need uh, fair maps nationwide. Because I don't know how it promotes democracy to have a district where an incumbent is automatically re-elected. doesn't matter. Nobody will even run against her because it's so difficult to defeat her. And then she just quits. Four years to go. I, I damn, someone can't get the words out. I, I, you know, it's it's an extreme case when I agree with the Chicago Tribune Editorial Board. But I agree with them. Not good for democracy, D Just not good I mean, she should have stepped down She should have announced that she wasn't running for re-election And that would have given Kelly Cassidy And Mike Simmons and anybody else Dr. D, he lives in the district, he could run Well, actually, you don't live in the district, you can't run But anyway, anybody who wants to run can run and then, Eddie, if Kelly Cassidy is going to run for Heather Staines' district, then that leaves her district uh, vacant. Somebody can run in her district. But you know, with that cake and eat it too. So this way, Kelly moves up, and I—I I presume Kelly will get the nomination. If I had to lay put money down in Vegas, I would bet on that. But um, not good for Democracy D. That's all
1: I'm gonna say I don't know if our host is ready to admit it yet On the air, but There's something fishy going on here Stains, what's going on? Am I right, Ben? <laughs> yeah, this happened This f- how she got the gig in
2: the first place I'm the only one old enough to remember this It was a long time ago, but I think it was Carol Ronan stepped out, And all of a sudden, Kelly Stains got the gig I, I can't remember, it's so long ago
1: I got my eye on you, Stains <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, so the Dennis theory has got nothing to do with wanting to take care of a uh, family. She's going to have another job, probably in the Pritzker administration.
1: I mean, maybe you are going to take care of your family, but unfortunately, those before you have to use that excuse and then you find out something Gracie yeah. went on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's just so cooking. For such a young guy, you know,
2: Dennis is a very young man, and he comes from Alton. And uh, it's just not done that way down there in Alden. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't your guy just step down and, and Andy, Andy Minard? Oh, just take back everything. Uh, the, uh edit that out of the uh, all Right, all right, all right. They did it down in Alden.
1: What'd you Very do, insane. Stains? Nothing? Just come on. You just got uh, the gig
2: What's going on here? She just ran for election, ladies and gentlemen. Ran unopposed! Could have been really easy to step down just announcing May or whatever. I'm not running for re-election. And everybody could have
1: run whenever. Whatever, D. Democracy in the city of Chicago. Well, that's our show today, guys. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J. Bonus interviews, and so much more at ChicagoReader.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Over 800 episodes for you to check out, all right? So go uh Catch the shows you may have missed. I don't know. Uh, Also, you can send us an email, bennyjshow at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from if you'd like us to read your email on the program. You can find us on social media, at bennyjshow, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can call the program. It's true. We have a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number, again, is 708-658-4788. Eight, eight. We would love to hear from you.
2: I want to thank Monroe Anderson for doing an outstanding job, as he always does on Wednesday. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. As Heather Staines, Kelly Cassidy, and Mike Simmons will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise, take it out of Petty Cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs>